It's Monday, August 16th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill with me today, Mr. Jason Moser. Good to see you. Happy Monday. Good to see you. Happy Monday indeed. Earnings season rolls on. We've got fintech, we've got home improvement. We're actually going to start with some news from the home entertainment industry. Shares of Sonos up nearly 10% today. This is the high end speaker company. This was not an earnings win for Sonos, this was a legal win. They are in a courtroom battle with Google. And the uh, an international trade commission judge ruled that Google has infringed on some of Sonos audio technology patents, and you know I guess if you're a shareholder of Sonos, you you, you don't care where the wind comes from. But it's <laughs> it's interesting. To, it's always interesting to me when this type of thing happens, where it's not the business got better, although maybe it did. Maybe the business did get better if this means that. Google, if this paves the way for Google not being able to compete with Sonos to the degree that they would like, um, yeah, I mean, there, you know, there's there's plenty to unpack as far as what this decision actually means. I mean, I, th- I think the big picture takeaway right now it's a very difficult time to be big tech in the sense that you have to figure that any organization with any sway whatsoever is very open to handing out whatever losses whenever they can um and and so that 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 i think is something that that could certainly play out not only in sonos's favor but but other smaller uh companies out there that are utilizing technology in some capacity to build out their business models i mean that was something that sonos uh quoted here i mean there's listen to me they're they're trying to level the playing field for a competition out there it's just it's difficult when you have big tech that is so entrenched and they're now trying to become sort of all things to all people uh, makes it very difficult for for other companies out there to compete and you look at what sonos does i mean this is a company that sells really speakers. I mean, when you when you just get right down to it, and that that is a very competitive industry. You've got Amazon out there doing the same thing. You've got Alphabet doing doing the same thing, and, and plenty of others. Um, and and so I think this is one of those things that while while this is not the final decision, I mean, I think it is good at least to see that there there is some some at least there are some open minds out there to to looking at what big tech is doing, where they may be getting uh, some of that technology from. Um, I mean, for for Sonos, it is a very big deal. I mean, they make their money by selling all of this equipment, but really the, the proprietary software is what drives that device engine. I mean, and, and they they definitely have a partnership ecosystem in play. Right. I mean, so they are open to working with big tech, but they want, I think, to make sure that what is theirs is seen as theirs, legally speaking and otherwise. And that makes a lot of sense. Um, And and I can tell you, just as a Sonos customer, we have a couple of those Sonos Move speakers here in in our house, one in our house and and one uh, another place. And man, they make some good stuff. They make some good stuff. And, and it looks like there's a big market opportunity forming for them that maybe didn't seem like it really existed ago. So, I'm wondering about uh, their pricing power, because it seems like <laughs> the brand equity that Sonos had, like you said, they make, they make great speakers. I don't think there's anyone who disputes that unless they are a direct competitor. Uh, and it, it seems like part of the bull case for Sonos is, I'm not saying they're like Apple and they, they can do with their speakers what Apple has done with the iPhone, but it does seem like 
they are at least in that direction of this is a business that can tick up prices over time and people who want high quality audio in their home are going to pay for it. Yeah, I, th- I think there is. I think they do have that to an extent, and and I think part of that is forming from that market opportunity that is is developing now that didn't exist a time ago that I had mentioned earlier. Um, part of this is due to uh, the pandemic. Um, part of it is just due to connectivity and and being being uh, more connected, not only at work but in the home too. I mean, they they Sonos management quotes these. These sort of three pillars of this opportunity that's forming, and and one pillar it's this golden age of audio, where we're just seeing more uh, more audio content delivered than ever before, right? I mean the, the growth in podcasts and, and and whatnot. I mean there's just more audio content than ever before. We've seen Spotify and Apple uh, to, as, as two companies that have really benefited from that. Um, the second pillar is this Hollywood at home concept, where I mean listen, more people are watching these hit movies from home, right? I mean, Disney Plus giving you that option now to go ahead and, and rent the movie and watch it from the comfort of your home, own home as opposed to having to go to the, to the theater. So there are folks that are focusing more bringing that theater-like audio experience into their home. That's absolutely something that Sonos is good at. And then a third pillar they quote is the great reshuffling. And it's, it's ultimately people becoming more flexible. We're not tied necessarily to our workplace anymore and that workplace doesn't dictate where we live and so now i mean you just you see folks who are able able to kind of go wherever and do whatever and in much like the content that we get you know wanting it to be on our terms when we want to listen to it where we want to listen to it or when we want to watch it when you know where we want to watch it i mean that's something that certainly plays into the the product lineup that, that sonos is coming up with so that will help them continue to deliver, I think, new products, new ideas, new ways of delivering uh, the, the audio content that they're, they're so well known for. All right, we'll keep watching Sonos. I, I want to go back to last week for a second, because SoFi came out with second quarter earnings after the closing bell on Thursday. And for those who don't know, SoFi is a an online personal finance company. They went public late last year. The stock fell 15% the next day. And this seems like one of those reports that's kind of a Rorschach test, because if you're a bear, you can point to the loss they posted and their guidance wasn't all that great. If you're a bull, you can say, well, look, the the loss wasn't as bad as it looks on the surface because there were some accounting quirks at play and they are getting closer to getting a national bank charter. When you look at their report, their guidance and what happened with the stock, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I generally speaking, I think this was a good quarter. I mean, management exceeded their own expectations. Um, it feels like the key to success in this area is bound to really two things: having strong brand equity, and then also having that strong mobile slash digital presence. And those are two things that SoFi is doing really well at. Um, and so, to me, this is a company that's really sort of it's shaping the financial services industry for. An entire new generation. I mean, they're not the only ones doing it, but it's these types of businesses that are really shaping up this 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 financial services landscape for just for the future. And and so we're seeing a couple of things at play here. I mean, it does feel like there is. Uh, I mean, there's not there's not nearly the appetite for SPACs out there that that did exist a little while back. I think we're seeing a little bit of of, of an exodus from some of these names, maybe. 
maybe investors that aren't willing to, to sort of be as patient as you would need to be getting into one of these types of investments. I mean, these are businesses that are coming public far earlier than they normally would. And I think that's something that you need to keep in mind. It just means that you're going to have to exercise more patience with these types of businesses. You got to give them a little bit more time to let that business strategy play out. But I mean, when you look at the numbers, I think generally speaking, very good quarter. They have members were up to 2.6 million people now. That's up 113% from a year ago. And it was their eighth consecutive quarter of accelerating growth in that metric. Uh, total products of 3.7 million, that's up 123%. And they're seeing tremendous growth across the spectrum there. I mean, it's it's known for its lending segment. Uh, that's the biggest part of the business. And that revenue was up 47% on an adjusted basis. But they saw 188% growth in personal loan originations. And so, I think that just kind of speaks to this new generation of consumer that's looking to companies like SoFi as the solution for their financial needs. I mean, I think gone are the days of feeling like you have to go into the banking center to get a loan, right? And I mean, you're seeing more and more options out there than ever before <clears throat> in order to get that problem solved for consumers. And, and, and certainly, SoFi is helping lead the way there. Uh, the financial services segment, a smaller part of the business today, but that revenue grew 600%. And they're seeing a lot of, of, uh, a lot of positive feedback from their uh, invest business. So, a lot of people getting into the market these days, taking up investing. And the neat thing about SoFi, I mean, I don't know that many people know this, but it is, it is a neat dynamic to the business. I mean, they have, they have ETFs, which I think is just really cool. I mean, they have, I think, six ETFs now to help folks get invested. And so, it, they're just making it easy, right? They're reducing a lot of the friction. And I think that's something that plays into uh, what a lot of folks out there, younger generation particularly, what they're looking for is they're looking for a trustworthy name and a way to be a part of something like investing, for example, that keeps an understandable, uh, that, that also takes, I think, uh, it, just a, a little bit of a longer view than, than you might see with some of these platforms that try to you know, promote trading and, and daily activity. I mean, it, it certainly seems like SoFi is, is, is focused very much on the education side of things as well, which, which should benefit them as, as time goes on. I mean, I think one of the... One of the one of the areas where you just kind of have to wonder, and I mean, crypto is just such a difficult space to fully understand, and so you do wonder how big of a part of their business that will ultimately be. But but their members are asking for more cryptocurrency selection, so to that end, they added sixteen coins to their crypto offering. I mean, I don't even know what coins are reputable and what coins aren't at this point, Chris. So, that's one area where I think you, you got to be careful. But uh, regardless, it does, it does feel like they're really building out something uh, that, that should be long-lasting. Well, and to your point, at some point, regardless of the business that you're in, the more you listen to your customers, the better off you're going to be in the long run. It doesn't mean you always give your customers exactly what they are asking for. But in this case, uh, a finance company, people asking about a financial instrument, um, it makes sense for them to have the offering. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's sometimes customers don't even necessarily know what they want or what they need. And so, I think that's, that's you're right there. I think that's a place where they, they need to be careful in, in exactly what they're delivering. But there's no doubt they, they listen to their customers and try to deliver what folks uh, feel like they feel like they need. Um, and, and, and again, I mean, sometimes when it comes to financial services, I mean, a lot of times folks don't necessarily really know what they need. And I think that's what 
that's why it's so important for SoFi to, to continue focusing on the, the educational side as well. But again, I mean, they make it so easy, right? They just have such a tremendous digital presence, tremendous mobile presence, and uh, and, and, and they are, they're tackling a lot of different problems underneath that one big SoFi umbrella, which I think should serve them well. Well, for anyone who had SoFi on their watch list, uh, good news, it's now 15% cheaper than it was last <laughs> week. Uh, Tuesday morning, Home Depot is going to come out with second quarter results, and I don't want to get anyone's hopes up, but the last four quarters, Home Depot has posted profits by an average of more than 10% higher than Wall Street was expecting. And the reason you shouldn't get your hopes up is, despite that, the stock isn't really lighting the world on fire. I mean, it's no. up about 16% over the past year. That's you know, that's good. That's nothing to sneeze at. But uh, th this seems like one of those businesses, and maybe it's a function of how big they are, $350 billion market cap, that set your expectations accordingly if you're a shareholder. Yeah. I mean, I think this is just one where slow and steady wins the race, right? I mean, Home Depot is not a, it's not a stock for someone who's <clears throat> looking for an idea that's, that's going to double over the course of the next five years. I mean, that's likely not the, that's, it's not, not, it's not the likely outcome with Home Depot. Um, but it is, it is a, it, listen, they're paying you like $6 and 60 cents a year just to hang on to the stock. So to me, like the dividend yield alone makes this thing worth a look. But I think also just given its its uh, its position in the industry, it's it's clearly clearly one of the stalwarts. And uh, if you look at the the results from last quarter, they they are faring very well in in the good times and the bad. I mean, I think last quarter the 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 comp average ticket grew ten point three percent, and transactions were up nineteen point one percent. And even more encouragingly, our big ticket comp transactions. Those those tickets over one thousand dollars that was up fifty percent, fifty percent from the first quarter of of a year ago. So to me, I mean, you're in a position where you've got a consumer with a lot of money. I mean, people are in a pretty good position right now. You are seeing a situation where there are some signs of inflation. I think that's something to keep in mind. Typically, Home Depot. They, they can pass through some of that, right, because of the nature of what they're selling. But we've seen before, I mean, lumber, for example, was something we really focused on with the past several quarters with them because they, they do feel that on the margin side uh, in some cases. And, and so it's, it's always worth, worth noting where inflation stands. You take an eye, uh, keep an eye out for, for that kind of language on the call. Uh, but, but generally speaking, I mean, you know, they don't have to resort to fire sales right now. I mean, it, it's a pretty good time to be a retailer. And I think, you know, based on the language from the last call, they certainly see a lot of demand out there. They feel like uh, the housing market is in a good place. And with folks now starting to feel a little bit more comfortable getting out there and doing things, uh, Home Depot should, should continue to benefit. So, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll continue to focus on that ticket and the transactions. The big ticket comps uh, transactions, I think, is, is another good one to keep an eye on. I always am just really interested in their rental business to me. That's just as, as a... You know, kind of like the, I'm a DIYer. I mean, I think at heart, I like doing that stuff. And uh, so, you know, Mac likes to make fun of the fact that I go rent a tile machine, a tile cutter from <laughs> Home Depot and come, you know, throw a backsplash up in our kitchen. But that's a really neat dynamic of their business. And, and, and frankly, it's one that you're seeing now Lowe's trying to replicate because they see how big of a benefit it is. You know, you go in there and you rent those tools, then you buy all the stuff that needs to go with that project you're doing. You're likely gonna, you know, go rent that next tool from Home Depot again, and it just results in a lot of incremental sales and longer-lasting customer relationships that I think benefit this company uh, greatly. 
Well, in both those businesses, uh, I would say Home Depot, certainly over the past decade, and Lowe's, let's just call it over the last four or five years or so, both of them have, we talked a lot during the pandemic about how these were two of the big retailers that were investing in their employees um, for all the right reasons. But it seems like, absent the pandemic, both Home Depot and Lowe's have done a great job of investing in getting smart personnel in the store to help DIYers, to help people to be like, okay, what's your project? Okay, you can rent this, you're gonna need this, you know, and, and doing it in a way where you don't feel like you're being, you know, screwed over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I tend to frequent Home Depot. I think more often than Lowe's. Um, I don't know that I would consider myself loyal to one or the other. I think typically just kind of boils down to geography and where I am on whatever given day. But I, I do feel like in either case, I, I'm always very happy with the service I receive at those stores. Like when I, I feel like there's always someone nearby, someone who's relatively uh, well schooled in, in in the questions I'm asking. And, and to your point, I mean, they are. They're anniversarying all of these big investments they made in the workplace, right? When COVID hit and things had to change so quickly, you know, they're starting to see this expense structure normalize now. And I think that's going to be encouraging uh, in, in, in the coming quarters and years because, you know, I don't think we're going to be going back to doing certain things the way they were done before. I mean, I think there are going to be certain, certain, there's going to be certain safety protocol and whatnot that that has been implemented over the last year. Some of this stuff is going to stick. Some of it, some of it's going to stay for for good reasons. And I think, you know, companies that have been that made these investments so early on and committed to it, you're definitely starting to see them benefit from it now. And and I think that uh, as as time goes on, you you know, we've said it before. Typically, the strong companies come out of periods of time like this even stronger. And and to my eye. Uh, Home Depot is absolutely uh, in that conversation. I mean, it feels like they're coming out of this even stronger than they were before, and that's really saying something. Going back to the size of the company, like you you were, you were talking about earlier, I mean that that dividend I don't think is going anywhere, and and uh, and so I think that this is one of those companies. The longer you own the shares, the more it makes sense. Jason Moser, great talking to you. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.